Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen, and I am in studio today with my husband, Chris Conley, also the founding pastor at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are so glad to be able to come to you with this Love Works podcast and discuss the topic that is often misunderstood, certainly among churched people, a topic of conversation, and that is the subject of the Holy Spirit. It is an interesting topic. Sometimes we fear, and we fear it because different people have, I think, accidentally abused the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the expressions of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes when we fear something, we just avoid it. So what we've got to do is educate ourselves as to what Scripture says And not just look at the Holy Spirit through churches that we maybe don't agree with or certain expressions of the Holy Spirit that confuse us or worry us a little bit. But go back and allow our confidence to be replaced in the person of the Holy Spirit by looking at what the Word of God says so that we have access to the third person of the Trinity and that we have the opportunity to have all the benefits of the Spirit of God indwelling us, working through us, and working through the church to empower the church to accomplish the mission of God. So that's why it's so important that we talk about this and we replace our fear of this subject or our confusion about this subject with complete and total confidence. And that's what we've been trying to accomplish through this series on the Holy Spirit. And today, as we come in to this particular segment, we are looking at spiritual gifts right off the bat. Give us a definition. When we talk about spiritual gifts, what are we talking about? When we talk about this definition, we need to allow the topic of spiritual gifts to be more simple than it is complex. There are some things that are confusing. We'll talk about those. There are some gifts that are misunderstood. We'll talk about those. Just for example, let me say this. One of the things that everybody wants to know about with spiritual gifts is the gift of tongues. There's a lot of confusion around that. We'll talk about that. We'll get to those in a later podcast. We're going to give an overview right now about all gifts and then kind of give some guidelines about those. So the definition of spiritual gifts is this. The Bible teaches that God equips and empowers people for service within the church. So God equips us. Then he empowers us to serve in a specific way in and through the life of the church. So God is the source of all of our abilities, and these empowerments are called gifts, that he gives us spiritual gifts in that way. Another way to look at it is any ability that you have that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used in the ministry of the church to accomplish the mission of God, that is a spiritual gift. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Bible scholar, or maybe you consider yourself really infant in your faith. And you might think, oh, you know, somebody who's further along might care about this, but maybe that's way too far down the road for me. One of the reasons that it's important for everybody to understand what spiritual gifts are and what yours specifically are is because as a believer, whether you're a brand new believer or you've been walking with the Lord for decades, The way that you find yourself growing and enjoying your walk and seeing fruit come from this relationship with the Lord is usually when we are living out and using these gifts. We say all the time, do you want a new believer now to be like the average Christian five years from now? 
And the answer most of the time is no. We don't want people just to barely enter the faith and then stagnate and the excitement kind of wanes and they're really wondering if life is going to be that much different. Because if you're growing spiritually, there's one aspect of growing is the renewing of your mind. We're growing in our intellect. We're educating ourselves according to God's word. But that has to be for a purpose. So that purpose is then for us to use our gifts to advance the mission of God. How empty would it be if spiritual growth was just simply improving our spiritual IQ? We have to go beyond the intellectual part of this equation to the practical part and then to be useful in what God has given us intellectually. In every area of your life, you feel better when you feel useful. So, okay, how can I be useful to the Lord? Well, guess what? He has put specific gifts in you so you can be useful for him. So as we kind of move into further this whole topic, what are some foundational things that we would use as a framework as we consider spiritual gifts? We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. These three chapters are the most comprehensive view of the topic of spiritual gifts. There are other places they're mentioned, and we'll talk about that. But these guidelines come from those three chapters. Here are five guidelines that can aid us in understanding spiritual gifts. The first one is this. God appoints each person to have a function in the body. Now, Let's break that down for just a moment. Everybody has gifts, each individual. No one's left out and no one's ungifted because there's this tendency a lot of times when people come to Christ as their Lord and Savior, they tend to think, you know, I don't know what I can do. I don't know that I have anything to offer and they feel less important. God doesn't allow that because God has made each person fearfully and wonderfully God has designed each person in a very unique way with a very specific gift set to serve a very specific role in the church. So the first one is this. God appoints, he appoints each person to have a specific function in the body of Christ. That can't be overstated. Our tendency is to look at other people and then think, well, I don't do that or I can't do that. So I guess maybe I don't have a gift to go. No, every single person has a gift. That leads us to our second guideline. Each person has his own function in the body. Not all are the same. And when we look at this one, this one really is based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 25. Because each person has their own function and not all are the same, we need to have value and respect for each person's gift. What happens is a lot of times we look at someone else's gift and we covet their gift. Sure. And say, oh, I wish that I could sing like that. And there are some people just made from the womb. God made them to be singers. And it's kind of like a universal thing. I don't really know anybody that doesn't like music. So there's just this sense that all of us think, oh, I would love to be able to sing like that. And then there's other people that look at you and they really respect the gifts that you have. Sometimes they underappreciate their own gifts 
because they have so much admiration and respect for other people's gifts in that they're not developing their own giftedness. It is easy. I remember when you were called to the ministry and kind of all of the stereotypes that come with being called to the ministry. And now I became a pastor's wife. Like, what on earth is that? And it wasn't a role that I had ever imagined myself in. And my first thought was looking around at other women that I knew that were pastor's wives, and there weren't a ton of them. You did not grow up church. So it was one of those where the few that I looked at, you know, they could all sing or play the piano or those types of things. And I thought, that is so not me. Did God make a mistake? No, that whatever your place is in the body, God has a specific gift and it's just fine that I don't have a musical gift or any of the Conleys have musical gifts. Well, and actually, as we think about that example, you said this, God doesn't make a mistake. God knew exactly what I needed as my counterpart for you to complete me, not only as a husband-wife relationship, but also in the mission that God has for us. One of your gifts is the gift of administration. I don't know that we would have been able to start High Point Church apart from your gift of administration, that I had the vision. I was able to break that vision down into some strategy, but you took the strategy and you broke it down into doable parts and you coordinated everything and made it come to life. You brought it into reality. And so it's the way those gifts complement one another that cause us to need to value a gift because not everybody looks at the gift administration and go, oh, that's one of those gifts I really, really want. But there's incredible value to that gift and we really can't get much done without it. And it goes to, again, the common roles that we look at. It's the pastor, it's the worship leader, the people that are visible within the body. Scripture says, no, those that are the least gifts, the ones that receive the least amount of attention are of incredible value to the body. Alphabetizing counts as a gift somewhere in there, and I'll be grateful that God gave me that one. Yes. So in this whole topic of each person having his own function in the body and not all are the same for you, you have the gifts of leadership, teaching and faith. Those are yours. Mine would be teaching, leadership and administration. But what do you say to that person that maybe hasn't figured out what their gift is yet? We allow ourselves to be paralyzed by that question. Oh, I don't know what my gifts are. Oftentimes we think we have to take some type of personality test or some type of strengths test. And then we have to go into this analysis mode and break everything down scientifically. What have you always been good at? Let's just make it so simple. What do you have a natural talent in? There's just this sense that you have this God-given ability to do this for you at every age and stage of development in your life you found a way to administrate your world at every age and stage of school you were a leader from the very beginning that right. you just emerged into a leadership role why would we not look at those things and go maybe god has gifted you in that way and it would make natural transition to bring those gifts into the church And say, now through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, those gifts are used for his purpose. You, growing up in high school, were a news anchor, and you did a lot of public speaking. Well, it only makes sense that that natural talent that has been developed into a strength, then 
under the influence of the Holy Spirit, now that you have trusted Christ and are a servant of Christ, that he would use those for his purposes. And that leads right into our third guideline, and that is that the Holy Spirit empowers each person to serve according to what God wills. It is that thought, the gifts that we have are for God's purposes. They're not just for me to become a news anchor. That was a way that God provided an opportunity for me to exercise that gift and refine that gift, but it wasn't for my own success. It was to be used for his kingdom. So elaborate on that whole concept that the Holy Spirit's the one empowering it, but it's to do it and to serve according to how God wills. Well, before we get to the part about how God wills, you said something I think that was very important. There are times that people use their gifts for personal advancement. And so there are leaders out there leading incredible organizations and doing amazing things for the purpose of making money. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then they'll come into the church and they'll say, I don't know if I can make any contribution. I don't know that I have any value. And then sometimes they don't know how to use that leadership gifting through the life of the church, and then they'll serve in ways that are not that any of these are less than. But the other day I saw someone who is a CEO of a company, and they were serving on our guest services team. And I appreciate that, and I respect that, and I value that. But if you're a CEO of a company, I want to get you involved in more strategic ways in leading in a greater way because your skills and your gifts have been developed All education is God's education. So when God develops your leadership through the workplace, through universities, and through professional development, well, then we can take that and apply that into the life of the church. So when we look at this, the Holy Spirit empowers each person to serve according to what God wills. Does God will someone who is a CEO caliber leader to serve in a way that's not maximizing their giftedness in the church. I think God wants to take those types of gifts and then accelerate those gifts to advance the mission of the church. One of my closest friends early in the life of High Point was a woman who has seven degrees, which blows my mind. If you knew that she had seven degrees, I probably wouldn't have been her friend because I'd been a little intimidated by how educated she was. But she would kind of struggle and think, well, I'm not necessarily great with children. So I don't feel like that's how I can contribute to work with High Point kids. And I just saw that struggle. And so she would serve, but it never satisfied. She never felt like she was really, truly making a difference in the way that she could go into another environment and utilize those skills and see the effect. Several years ago in the life of our church, you really intentionally gathered people who are high caliber leaders and said, we need you. They came in and formed a group that really was a resource to you. And many of them were project managers, and they were then able to help train our staff in skill sets that were second nature to them. And it was amazing to see just how much they loved using their gifts and seeing an impact throughout the body. Because everybody loves doing what they're good at. 
So when you put them in a place where they know they're very, very competent, then they know they can make a difference there. And then they could come along and they could mentor our staff members and they could help build leaders and implement systems. And then they could see the results of that six months later, 18 months later. It was remarkable. But here's another thing about the giftedness of people if they don't apply it in the church. When you have these extraordinary gifts and you're using these gifts in the workplace, but you're not using them for God's purpose in the church, then what you accidentally do, you try to get all of your sense of purpose from the workplace, and then the workplace can't fulfill God's God-given purpose. So you actually become dissatisfied with some of your work. You become dissatisfied in the workplace because you're expecting the workplace to meet a need it was never designed to meet. It's supposed to be a part of the process of fulfilling your purpose, but there's a divine purpose that does occur in the workplace, but there is a divine purpose that cannot be omitted, and that divine purpose occurs through the church, using your gifts through the church. That is exactly what our fourth guideline is. And again, to just kind of give you the big picture, we're talking about spiritual gifts. These are five guidelines that we are going to use kind of as our filter in our next sessions as we continue this conversation about spiritual gifts to give us a parameter of, okay, how do we approach this topic? And so the fourth one is basically what you just said. The church suffers If one member suffers, now give the context so that they can see the connection to what you were just saying. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's looking at the body of Christ, and it's it's drawing this analogy, and it's comparing it to our physical bodies. It goes through the process and says the hand has a different purpose than the foot, and the eye has a different purpose than the ear. Each of them are designed to fulfill their specific purpose, but to work in coordination with one another, cooperating with one another for a greater good, for a common good. So imagine in this analogy here that if I go blind in one eye, well, that affects the overall function of the body. If all of a sudden I break my right hand and I'm right-handed, it changes everything in my day-to-day life in how I'm trying to accomplish whatever my responsibilities that are that day. It changes because I've lost the function of my right hand. The rest of my body suffers and it has to compensate for the inability of my right hand and my left hand cannot do what my right hand can do as well as my right hand. Exactly how it works. As we are talking about the example at High Point, the church suffers if people aren't utilizing their gifts within the body. So in the example that we were talking about, we see that if you have people that have gifts and they're using them, a God-given gift that was given to them for God's purpose and God's glory, and maybe they're developing it in a secular way, but it never comes and is exercised within the body Now that's the right hand that's injured. They're not doing what God has designed them to do within the body. So the whole church suffers. See, God equips the body of Christ with all the gifts that are needed to fulfill the mission of God. But here's the problem. The scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So in most churches, only 20 to 30 percent of the people are serving in using their strengths, in using their gifts according to God's purpose. 70%, sometimes 80% of the people in the church are inactive. Or let's use this terminology, that if we are supposed to use our gifts, it's like we're supposed to employ our gifts. It's as if 70 or 80% of the church is unemployed. How effective can we be if 70 to 80% of our workforce 
is unemployed and only 20 or 30 percent of the people are actually working. But the scripture says the harvest is plentiful. There is a direct correlation between the number of laborers, the number of servants, the number of people who have identified their gifts and have developed their gifts and are serving according to their gifts and the harvest that we bring in. Now, here's one other way to think about it. Not only are 70 to 80 percent of our people unemployed, but let's go back to the analogy or the illustration of the body. The church of God, the body, is supposed to be like the body, okay? And so as we think about that, it's like 70 or 80 percent of our bodies paralyzed. Now, today when we walked into this studio, if 70 to 80 percent of my body was paralyzed, how long would it have taken to get out of the car? We would have had to have some type of wheelchair. Everything would be different just to simply get me up here in order to maybe to use the 20 to 30 percent. Maybe my voice is still active. You know, maybe there's other parts of my body that are paralyzed, but it would have required enormous work because 70 to 80 percent of my body was paralyzed. We must bring health to the body. And the quickest way to bring health to the body is help people understand what their gifts are and to use their gifts so that the body goes from suffering to flourishing. The opposite is true. Our fifth principle is really the opposite picture, and that is that the church flourishes when one member is honored. In that same context, we see that when someone's not using their gifts within the body, that the church suffers. But when we see people using their gifts within the body, we get the benefit. The church is growing the way that it should be, and we're able to honor those that are using their gifts. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26 says it this way. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. At High Point Church, on a Sunday morning, when we see people go public with their faith, we see them baptized. It's this incredible celebration moment because someone is telling the story of how they've repented of their sin, placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we are celebrating the fact that they're going from this private decision that has occurred in their heart and mind, and they're telling the church they're going public with it. And now they're saying, I want to follow Christ. In that moment, everyone in the church feels like they've won. Because one member is being honored. And then typically the person baptizing them is a person that was influential in that process, that had served in that process of bringing that person to the Lord. And so in that moment, everybody in the church is celebrating. Now, guess what, though? 70, 80 percent of those people really weren't involved. They weren't serving. They're not contributing to the greater good of this church, but they're celebrating that moment. The entire body is celebrating. So that's a picture of how when we work together, we actually accomplish something. And the more we accomplish, the more we honor people who served according to their gifts. We've got to remember this. We often forget this in church world, that what is celebrated is repeated. What is rewarded is repeated. Now, the corporate world understands that very loud and clear. What is rewarded is repeated. But in church world, we've got to find a way to celebrate every servant, celebrate those that serve by working in the children's area, by working in the parking lot, that serve in all kind of different ways of making sure the building is clean and presentable. And then also we can celebrate those that are more visible, those that are singing, those that are speaking, those that are leading. But what has to happen, we have got to show people they cannot grow spiritually. They cannot be satisfied 
without serving and developing their gifts and serving according to God's purpose. I think of the example as we wrap things up for today that when we do celebrate someone going public with their faith, that it is that person that's sitting in the audience. Maybe they did work the parking lot. Maybe they did get up early and set out signs around the facility. Maybe they were working in High Point Kids to go. If that person hadn't had an excellent experience on the way in, how many people had prayed for how many years for them to walk in that door? And that person, a lot of times, if they're not familiar with church or they maybe have been out of church for a while, they're looking for a reason not to come back. That's just how the enemy works. And so to know that every single member of the body has to be functioning for that person to even get there and hear the word of God. That is the body at work in a healthy way. It took every single person, not just the pastor giving the invitation, not just the friend that invited them, not just the person that even maybe had shared the gospel with them before, but it was the entire body that God uses and we can all celebrate in Working that. together for the common good. That is what spiritual gifts are all about. It is working together for the common good. Well, that brings us to a close of this podcast. If you want more information, I encourage you to go to chrisconley.net or karenconley.com. Also go to highpointmemphis.com for any information about High Point Church. But whatever you do, please remember that loving God plus loving people equals love works. 